Hello and welcome to Truth in Journalism, a radio broadcast dedicated to applying the Word of God to current events. Well, today on Truth in Journalism, we're going to talk about anti-Semitism. So, if you were so inclined and you decided you wanted to search for people who talk about how nationalism is terrible, you'd have a pretty easy time doing it. Just spend a bit of time searching for terms like Christian nationalism or white nationalism. If you pay attention to conversations about nationalism and border policy, if you look at the general anti-Western trends in colleges and in major media among both the intellectual and pseudo-intellectual elite, you would find that nationalism in all these different iterations is a boogeyman. And perhaps the strongest arguments that demonstrate this anti-nationalist trend is the change in education. In 1987, Jesse Jackson had people protesting Stanford, chanting, and you know it's a good argument if people chant it, hey, hey, ho, ho, Western Civ has got to go. Jackson argued that the focus on Western Civ was racist. Never mind that the university system was born in the great cathedral universities in medieval Europe. Never mind that Stanford University was founded by Leland Stanford, who was pretty pro-Western, about as, pro, about as pro-Western as you can get. Never mind that Western ideas and values are what shaped and created this nation. Never mind that it is Western civilization that allows protesters to protest. Never mind all that. Jackson thought that the Western Civ had too many dead white guys and therefore it was bad. That trend has continued unabated. It has continued and grown to such ludicrous levels that even logic and rationality are racist white supremacy. It seems like everything is white supremacy. Everything is racist. All of this is bad. BLM, the organization, said that things like heteronormativity and the nuclear family were racist and needed to go. And make no mistake, I'm not confusing the issue by fusing and conflating racist and nationalist. That's not me doing that. That's all the people protesting Westernism. That's not me. I don't oppose nationalism per se, but make no mistake, lots of people think that borders are racist. They think that white nationalism is racist. They think that Christian nationalism is racist. They think that German nationalism is racist. And while you have plenty of explainer articles about how not all nationalism is racist, they will almost always make sure to denounce that nasty white nationalism. And it must be said that much of this trend is, in fact, a trend. It isn't so much a single article or a policy position, but it's just the air we breathe and the water we drink. We have a zeitgeist. And being in the zeitgeist means embracing multiculturalism, rejecting ethnic nationalism, applauding secularism, and opposing fundamentalism. And yet, and yet, and yet, there are some forms of monocultural, ethnic nationalist, religious fundamentalism that the meaning makers in our society want us to support. They want us to support Palestinian, ethno-fascist, monocultural, Islamic, Nation states. And when I say fascist, I mean fascist. I mean fascist the way Benito Mussolini meant fascism. Anti-democratic nationalism where all is subordinated to a powerful central state. You see, pro-Hamas marches on college campuses. You see them. You see professors at major universities saying vile things about the Jewish people and promoting an actual terrorist organization. University professors openly praise Hamas. So, some major donors to Penn and Harvard who don't like universities supporting terrorist groups pulled their funding. And do you know who the bad guys are in this story? You know who the real villain of the piece is? Yep, you guessed it. The people pulling their donations from the universities 
who won't require that their professors not openly support genocidal terror regimes. And not only that, but these people who are supporters of the genocidal terror regime also call Israel a fascist state. Israel, not Hamas. Hamas isn't fascist, not the group that minimizes individuality, controls all money and resources, actively seeks an ethnostate, commits aggressive atrocities against a peaceful neighbor. No, not, not them. Israel. Israel are the fascists. And this is a great irony, perhaps the great irony. If you walked up to most of these people who stand with Palestine, who aren't Muslim, uh, the, the people who are secular progressives, I'm talking about the queers for Palestine people, I'm talking about the, the people waving the trans flag at, at pro-Hamas rallies, these are the people I'm talking about. If you walk up to one of those people and you ask them about ethnostates and nationalism and fascism, I'm guessing they'd be against all of it. America can't enforce the southern border because that's racist. They would say that we have to be multicultural because cultural colonialism is racist and bad. They would say that religious fundamentalism is an act of evil that needs to be eradicated. And if you were to ask them why then they promote an aggressive, fascistic, religious, fundamentalist, monocultural, colonialist, nationalist, ethnostate, I'm not sure that they'd have a reply. Hamas is everything the progressives are supposed to hate. So at a certain point, you have to wonder why people who constantly wail and moan and whinge about Christian nationalism are so enthusiastic about Islamic nationalism. At a certain point, you have to wonder why the people who hate Christian fundamentalism so much are completely fine with Islamic fundamentalism. You have to wonder at a certain point why there are so many internal intellectual incoherencies and inconsistencies among so many when it comes to the Palestinian issue. Why is it that silence is violence, but BLM Chicago posted a picture of a paraglider with a Palestinian flag and the caption, I stand with Palestine. So silence is violence, but it's okay to celebrate the rape and kidnapping of women, the murder of babies, torturing and burning of families, beheadings, corpse desecration, theft and hostage taking. Are, are those, are those not, are those not violence or is some violence okay? And if some violence is okay, then, then which violence and by what standard do you make that determination? Again, to say that there's a Venn diagram overlap between Palestine support and moral depravity is like saying that salt is salty. You can't support Hamas and not be depraved. Oh, sure. You can want all people to live in peace and prosperity, including Palestinians. I know I do. But that desire for human flourishing does not negate the right for Jews to flourish. Let me say it again so that I cannot be misunderstood. If you support Hamas, you are morally depraved. There was once a time when I thought that those who supported Hamas may simply be confused about the issues or needed to learn some geopolitics or had believed lies, but that's not an excuse anymore. We witnessed genocidal murder. This genocidal murder was carried out by an ethno-fascist, religious fundamentalist, colonialist, nationalist terror state. There is no getting around that. There's no washing away what happened. You can either denounce Hamas, full stop, or you can be morally depraved. There is no third way. You're either pro-rape or against it. There's no moderating position on rape. Tell me, when, when is rape okay? Under what circumstances? If she's a dirty Jew whore, is it okay then? If not, then when? When is it okay to kill babies? There's no moderating position. It's either okay or it isn't. 
It's either okay to take hostages or it isn't. It's either okay to spit on kidnapped children or it isn't. It's either okay to behead people or it isn't. There is no moral ambiguity. And the people telling you that there's moral ambiguity, the people engaged in whataboutism are liars and morally depraved. Let me say it again, lest I be misunderstood. I want the Palestinian people to live in peace and prosperity. But that desire does not override Israel's right, need, and duty to protect itself, recover hostages, and destroy Hamas. Let me give an example about why the whataboutism is so morally idiotic. Imagine two families at a restaurant, Bill's family and Steve's family, and in the middle of the meal, Bill stands up, walks over to Steve's table, pulls a gun, and starts shooting Steve's kids, and drags Steve's daughter Stephanie, kicking and screaming, back to his table, where Bill's oldest son Willie holds her down and violates her. Then, when Steve starts shooting back, Bill not only continues to shoot at Steve's kids, but Bill grabs his own wife, Wilhelmina, and uses her as a meat shield. Bill, standing behind his wife, Wilhelmina, while his son Will is violating Stephanie, keeps shooting at Steve's children. In the midst of this shootout, Wilhelmina, Bill's wife, gets shot, and Bill begins sobbing uncontrollably, weeping and decrying the horrible violence of Steve, while he keeps shooting and his son keeps raping. Now, imagine further some of the people sitting in the restaurant. Is there anyone in their right mind who would side with Bill? Anyone. Would anyone not see Steve and his family as the victims? Obviously, anyone who didn't actively hate Steve would side with Steve. The only way you could possibly side with Bill is if you hated Steve. This analogy is pretty on the nose. I get it. But so is rape, torture, and baby beheading. I think those are a bit on the nose, too. But let me ask a question. Let's consider again Bill and Steve's restaurant shootout. Let's assume that the fight between these two was not new. Okay, let's say that Bill had grievances, real or imagined, against Steve. Let's even say that Bill had legitimate grievances. We're just make-believing here. You don't have to agree with whether or not Bill had legitimate grievances. This is a hypothetical. Even if he did, how would those grievances possibly justify his behavior? Obviously, they couldn't. And this is obvious. And if you say, well, Luke, some people don't think it's obvious. I say it is. It is obvious because God says it is. Paul tells us in Romans 1 that the moral order is known. People know what Hamas did is evil and despicable, but they suppress the truth and ungodliness. They know the truth, but they suppress it. And frankly, I'm largely unconcerned with the proximate cause of their truth suppression. I really am not all that exercised about whether it's CRT or critical theory or just plain anti-Semitism or anti-Westernism. It's, it's really not all that important because those are merely the pretexts that wicked people use to justify their wickedness. It is not enough to debunk the lies people bury the truth in. Those who hate the truth will either continue to be deluded or they'll find new lies. If a person wants to believe a lie, they will, and they will find a lie that suits them and allows them to do what they want to do. I think anti-Semitism is bad, and I think anti-Westernism is bad, and I think CRT and critical theory are bad, but they are not the root cause. They are not the final cause. They are merely the formal cause. At the final and deepest level of analysis, people support Hamas because they hate Christ. Full stop. I will not qualify or hedge that argument. Let me walk you through the logic. And this is about to get technical, so strap on your reasoning skis and let's slide into careful thinking. So follow my logic here. 
this is my premise. I'll give you the premise and then a conclusion. Premise. One, Hamas committed rape, murder, kidnapping, torture, corpse mutilation, theft, including the beheading of babies. Two, the things Hamas did in one are evil. Three, the truth of two, that what Hamas did in one is evil, is self-evident. Four, the self-evident nature of the evil of one, Hamas's actions, is validated by Paul's explanation about the truths of God being suppressed in unrighteousness by the wicked. Five, those who reject self-evident moral truths are not unaware of the truths but suppress them in ungodliness, specifically validated by Romans 1.32 that says, Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do those very things, but they also approve of those who practice them. Six, people who suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness do so out of unbelief as evidenced by Romans chapter 2 verses 5 through 16. Seven, people live in unbelief because they hate Jesus. See Matthew 5, Matthew 6, 24, John 3, 20, John 7, 7, uh, Matthew 15, James 4, 4, and more other passages than we have time for. Thus, my premise is, because we know that those who support Hamas are supporting manifest and self-evident evil, it is clear that those who support or refuse to denounce Hamas are suppressing the truth of God in unrighteousness, and that that suppression of truth in unrighteousness comes through unbelief, and unbelief is motivated by hating Christ. And now the conclusion that follows the premise, therefore, those who support Hamas hate Christ. And you say, well, Luke, that's a pretty strong line to draw. Yep. You say, but Luke, I know someone who supports Hamas, and they're a Christian. I don't believe you. I don't believe that a person who is born again, who has the Spirit of God dwelling in them, can support the rape, murder, kidnapping, torture, mutilation, and baby killing of, of committed by Hamas. I don't believe you. You tell me you're a Christian and support Hamas, I don't believe you. You say, but Luke, that's a slippery slope. Pretty soon you'll say that anyone who disagrees with you on any moral issue is an unbeliever. Well, if a person's going to justify the things that Paul lists as evidence of moral depravity in Romans, then sure, I'll, I'll say that that person is an unbeliever. If you justify any of the things Paul lists, you hear it here first. Luke says on the authority of the book of Romans, you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. So if the list of what Paul describes in Romans chapter 1 describes you, describes things that you believe, describes things that you justify then I don't believe you're a Christian. I don't. And if that offends you, I don't really care because I'm not very much interested in incurring the favor of depraved, greedy, murderous, slanderous, arrogant God-haters. And if the things listed in Romans 1 are things you're on board with, then I don't think you're a Christian and I don't care if it offends you. Brothers and sisters, be sober and vigilant. Don't let yourselves be deceived. This is not a complex issue requiring N degrees of nuance. We can have moral clarity. Indeed, God demands that we have moral clarity. And I think Christians have it. Now what we need is moral courage. We need to speak the truth as it is to men as they are and let God handle the results. I hope and pray we will. And I hope you'll join us again next time for another exciting episode of Truth and Journalism. May God bless your day to his glory.